0: Hello and welcome to the Speaking For Him Podcast. My name is Andrew Gamson. I am your host, and I am very thankful that you've taken the time to listen today. Today I will be sharing with you my review of the recent film, Redeeming Love, and it's not often that I share a review of a film that has controversy attached to it, but this one does, and I will dig into it as we move into the review, but first I want to talk to you about what is going on. The first thing I want to share with you is a feel-good story that actually came across my desk through my email today from the Epoch Times. And this story actually took place a couple months ago, but I think it's good for us to be aware of it and to really realize that there is good in the world. And so here is a story about an Uber driver making a difference in the life of one very grateful man.
1: A North Texas Uber Eats driver went the extra mile in her good deed for one of her customers. The mom of four left a package on that customer's doorstep that launched a social media campaign to try to find the woman. Fox News' Dion Anglin has more. Hey, Dion. Hey there, Clarice. Well, Uber Eats is pretty popular now, but the gesture by this particular driver brought her disabled customer to tears. A big embrace and tears. Tim Wilkinson is homebound after suffering a stroke several years ago. Before the incident, he was active and always on the go with family and friends. Heather Durgan is a driver for Uber Eats, a wife and mom of four.
0: They, they tied the, the, the bag for, you know, and I understand that's because of different, different drivers have been caught eating people's foods, so or they tied it up to, for security reasons.
1: A recent food delivery brought them together. And he asked me, hey, I don't have capability in this hand to undo that knot. Will you please untie the bag for me? And I said, sure. Their meeting ended there. But really... It didn't. I was about in tears because I just kept thinking about him, kept thinking about him, kept thinking about him. I was like, I need to do something to help him. Durgan was moved to put together a care package, then returned to the apartment and left it at the door. She included hot cocoa, this red blanket and other
0: items. It made me cry. After I, after I saw what it was, it made me cry. And I, I, I reached out to Lauren because I, I didn't know how to get hold of her. I'm Tim Ryan.
1: I'm Lauren Prisball. Did you see that shot? He's referring with... to Fox 4's Lauren Prisball, who was prompted to make a Facebook post in hopes that someone knew the Uber driver named Heather who delivered in Burleson. Durgan's brother saw the post. The result? This compassionate meetup. Not to mention a new social media frenzy with dozens of folks reacting with the hashtag be a heather.
0: And I wanted to make sure that she knew that it was appreciated.
1: It wasn't to get any anyone to recognize me for doing it. Um I think people just need to stop and take a deep breath for a second in their busy lives and look around and see people that might just need a smile or a hug
0: this story really just struck me hard today and I really just stopped to think about how in this world of volatility and in this world where no one seems to agree that even the simplest acts of kindness can go a long way. And I think it speaks very highly of this Uber driver that she took the time to not just be like, this is another customer. I just have to get on my way and, to my other customers but that she thought of him enough to then go back and say I want to improve his life a little bit more. And even uh, when she did that, she did not provide contact information because she didn't want to be recognized for this. But it made such a profound impact on his life that he had to reach out and find her. And with all the crazy ways that we can use social media – I just think that's an awesome way to reach out and use social media. And I'm glad that this Fox affiliate was able to get them together and that they have this friendship uh, that comes out of the most unlikely of circumstances. I am someone who, as I have been growing up, has always known that my friendships are divine appointments. And I know without a doubt that God... Put those two people together to encourage one another. I'm not sure what their faith journey is, whether either of them are a believer. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that Heather is, uh, because that's the kind of thing that Christ motivates us to do. And I think that's one thing that we just need to keep doing, folks. The Bible tells us to do good unto all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. And it says to let your light shine before all men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And there's a lot of stigmas about Christians. They call us hypocrites, and they say that we are not true to our own beliefs, so why should we encourage them to follow them? And those two things are often true. I think the thing that the world doesn't understand about being a Christian is that being a Christian is in no way... Saying we are perfect, but rather it is saying that we are forgiven, that we found a new way of life, uh, a lifestyle of redemption, the very essence of which is that we do not deserve this opportunity, but that Christ has offered it to us on the cross. And so I just want to encourage us to continue to do the good deeds that Christ has called us to and to do so without shame or remorse. The next thing I want to talk to you about is, over the past week, there was a debate between Rebecca Kasling and a pro-choice activist, uh, who I don't remember the name of, but Rebecca Kasling is a product of rape, who now fights for the pro-life cause as an adult lawyer. One of the biggest things that she fights for is to make sure that rapists don't get Custody rights of their children uh, because, unbelievably, sometimes they do. So, she, uh, in, in conjunction with her organization Save the One, uh, advocates for a variety of pro life causes. As I said, not the least of which is that these rapists should never get custody of their children uh, because they did not create these children out of love, they did not have a vested interest in these children. These children were the results of heinous crimes. But it's worth noting that it doesn't mean that the children are not valuable. Rather, it just means that the guilty party is the rapist and he should be dealt with accordingly. But the reason that I bring up Rebecca, who, by the way, I have interviewed before on the podcast, is that she was in a debate with this pro-choice activist, and during the course of the debate on live TV in a Detroit affiliate uh, newscast, she took, allegedly, one of the abortion pills uh, because she was celebrating, basically, that the Biden administration in association with the FDA has removed all all restrictions to the abortion pill abortions in the sense that it is now allowed for them to be mailed to the recipients. Now, technically, you are still supposed to get a doctor's consultation, but we know that if it's being done by mail, there's a lot less regulation that needs to go on and a lot more uh, deception that can occur and the abortion industry already is not a very honest industry. And so I was horrified. I actually watched the clip that Rebecca was talking about because she actually called me today, and she said, this is an issue, and I think you need to be aware of it. So all that to say that I'm grieving for this young lady who is a self-admitted avowed Satanist, so, I would just ask you to pray for her. Again, I am not recalling her name. I will make sure I have that info for you next week because I will be having Rebecca back on my show uh, to talk about this important issue and and give some other updates on what's going on in the pro-life movement. You know, there's a lot of movement in the direction of life, which is why I think the devil is shaking in his boots and trying to work overtime To make sure that abortion survives and thrives if he can. And why is this so important to the devil? Because he hates human life. Why does he hate human life? Because it's made in the image of God. And he hates God's image. Remember in the beginning of time he said, I will ascend to the heavens. I will be like the most high. He wanted to take the place of God. And so he was cast out of heaven for that selfish desire, and he's been wreaking havoc on the human race ever since. In the Garden of Eden, he lied to Eve about the forbidden fruit, and the human race has been suffering ever since. So we will revisit this issue next week, Lord willing, on the Speaking for Him podcast, but I just wanted to make you aware of it. All right, well, I'm actually quite excited to share with you today my review of Redeeming Love. And as I was ramping up for this podcast and as I was getting ready to see the film myself, there was quite a bit of debate in different common sections of stories about the film and reviews, and particularly in an interview that I saw with Francine Rivers promoting the movie where people were saying, This is not a movie that Christians should go see. And I want to start out, first of all, before I dig into how I feel about those comments, by playing you a a little clip from an interview uh, with the two actors uh, that are portraying the lead roles of Michael Hosea and Angel. And I think it's really neat to hear the reason that they chose to do these roles. This movie was so much fun. Something I not nece- I wouldn't have necessarily jumped into had I not seen the promo for it. What got you guys involved? Like, how did
1: you hear about this? Was it something you knew about before? Um, you, you got involved a, about a long time that. for me, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Like a couple of months.
0: Yeah, I read the script and um, instantly you just fell in love with the story. I loved the... Um, I was
1: I was very impressed by Angel's strength and the things that she had to go through and endure in her life, um, and inspired. So I was also shocked at the um, the material in it and the the things that she had to go through and how the yeah and how the the script did not shy away. It I mean they went there and um, you know I was I was very excited because I think that it's a it's a very important message and um story to tell um and I think that yeah the way that the script did it was in a really wonderful way yeah i was uh, i read the book f- um the audition came through, and then I read the book to prep for the audition. Um, and I was so shocked at how dark it was mm-hmm. and brutal and just not what I expected
0: in the slightest. But as soon as I read the book, I was like, this would make a fantastic movie. Like, mm-hmm. it just – it's in there. Like, you can just – like, you'd feel it from the page. And so as soon as I read the script and found that it was, you know, the same quality, really similar, high, high, high quality
1: – and then met DJ and spoke to him and realized how passionate he was about telling the story in the right way, you know, not shying away, like you said, from anything. Um, I was just, yeah,
0: desperate to be involved. And so that was Abigail Cowan and Tom Lewis who portrayed the leads in this film. And the first thing I'm going to say by way of introduction is having watched the film, I will tell you that I believe, uh, there are two, possibly three scenes that could have been cut from the film and it still would have been an effective film. And two of those are uh, scenes, love scenes between Michael and his wife, Angel, and one is Angel in the brothel talking to Michael. And the film would have been effective without those scenes. So I definitely... Uh, sympathize with people that say those scenes were not necessary and that will affect my rating of the film. However I will say that this was one of the closest book to movie adaptations that I have ever seen and this movie was supposed to come out in 2021 but was delayed I'm sure because of the pandemic and the fact that theaters were not open and so it came out On January 21st, and I was able to go last week, just a few days after it opened, and watch this film for myself. And I gotta say, as someone who loves books and likes it when they make a movie based on a book, that the movie is accurate to the book, I have to give them props for being accurate to the book. So, and I will dig into... Some more specifics of what I thought of the film after you listen to a trailer for Redeeming Love. Told your mother I would take good care of you.
1: I love you more than anyone in this whole wide world.
0: Her mom was dead. She'll be better off here. will sure. What's her name? You can call her whatever you want. You'll be my little angel from now. Angel, how did you end up in this place?
1: She doesn't talk about her past. You got any plans? Plans? She
0: can't keep me here. You forget where I found you, Missy. I made you a princess.
1: Feel the power, Angel. The only girls who leave here are too old, too sick to work, or dead. I'm gonna
0: kill you. Do it!
1: You are not hidden. She's someone to see, ain't she? There's never been a moment you were forgotten. That's yes, Angel. You are not whole. No one gets within a foot of her for free. I have to meet her.
0: What's your pleasure, Mister? I didn't come here for her bet. You're going to marry me, take me away from here, give me the life I deserve. Mm -hmm. I've got too many demons. I don't know how to love. You do not choose the life you have, but you can choose the life you want.
1: Deserves a decent girl, not you. you. Did you think I couldn't find you? You have to stop thinking that I'm gonna be something that I'm not.
0: That way is home. Your choice. So before I jump into my overall review, I just want to give you a little bit of background on the story. Francine Rivers wrote Redeeming Love, uh, and it came out in uh, 1990 or 91, I believe. And it was actually her first Christian novel. She had made a living as a secular romance novelist and then came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. She thought that... Her writing career was going to be over, and she just kind of laid it on the altar. And three years later, God convicted her to pick it up and write this story, Redeeming Love. She says that this is, in many ways, her testimony in fiction, uh, because as God called the nation of Israel back to himself through the illustration of Hosea and Gomer, so God called her into a relationship with himself. And she decided to frame this as an 1850s drama set against the Gold Rush. And so you have Michael Hosea, who is very obviously the Hosea figure, and then you have Angel, who is the Gomer figure. And basically the premise of the film uh, and book is him showing unconditional love to her. She runs away. He goes and he gets her back and he does that several times. And then in the last part of the film and book, he says, I'm not going to go after her. She's going to have to make the choice to come back to me. And then through a series of events, she comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ and she comes back to him. Now I first read this book when I was in high school. Um, so, you know, just a few years after it was written And I remember being profoundly moved by it. And I decided starting out this year that one of the first books I was going to read this year would be that one in preparation for the movie coming out. And I actually read, or I should say rather listened to uh, about two-thirds of the book in one day uh, because it was so riveting and it's so powerful and I... I just really loved it. And I can already tell you that it's probably going to be one of my top five books of 2022. Even though we're just a few weeks in, um, it's that powerful. And so when I heard they were making a movie of it, I was really excited. Now, the fact of the matter is that it is rough material to make a movie out of it deals with the issue of her mother being deserted by a man who gets her pregnant out of wedlock. And so she resorts to prostitution to provide for her daughter and then she dies. And then her daughter is pressed into prostitution. And so she grows up with prostitution being the only thing she knows. And the only way that she can exert any power over anyone is through her body and she's used to meeting these guys who come and pay top dollar for her services in the brothel called the palace, which is a real interesting picture of the way the world is, right? Because the world will say that all these physical pleasures are so great and they're painted as the greatest things in the world, as that riches is what we should be going for. But she's living an empty life, and all she knows is this lifestyle. And whenever she meets a guy, she rightfully, in most cases, deduces that the only thing they want is what she can give them with her body. So then she meets Michael Hosea, and he has a totally different agenda in mind. And it's just a really powerful story. So I'm going to dig into some specifics, but before we do that, I want to share with you our quote of the day. Our quote of the day is, sometimes you have to leave behind what you were born into to become what God meant you to be. And that was from our main character, Michael Hosea. Um, He's talking to Angel after one of the times that he rescued her. And he's, he's saying, your past doesn't define you. Because how often do we do that as individuals? We think that our past defines us. We allow things that have happened to us before to, in certain senses, determine what is going to happen going forward. And... Michael's there to assure Angel over and over again that he doesn't care about her past. Basically, uh, to summarize, he goes to the brothel, I think, three times to try to convince her to come with him and to marry him. Uh, He pays the full price to be with her, uh, but he doesn't take advantage of the situation. He just talks to her. And it makes her uncomfortable because she's never known what it was like to just... Receive kindness from a man. And then we see him come back again, and he realizes that she has been beaten up. So he asks her when she is struggling with consciousness if she will marry him, and he says sure. So he takes her away from there. He goes and finds a preacher, marries her, and brings her back to nurse her back to health. And then she says, well, once I'm healthy again, I'm going to pay off my debt to you and then I'm going to leave. And so over the course of the film, that's what we see. We see her uh, leaving uh, repeatedly and then being reassured repeatedly that he indeed loves her for her. Uh, He knows about her past. He's chosen to forgive her and to put it behind them. And... It's just a really powerful story. Now, it is told in a realistic way. So I would say definitely this is not a family film. Definitely this is for older audiences. As I said in reference to those scenes earlier, I kind of hope that they come out with a edited version that has a maybe a PG rating uh, because those scenes I mentioned earlier are, are cut out of there. But it is a very powerful bo- movie and very true to the book. So I'm just going to go through some of these specific things that, um, I want to hit for this movie review. Positive things about this film is just the integrity and the character of Michael Hosea. He wants a wife, but he doesn't. He doesn't just want any wife, and he asks God to give him the wife. That he wants to. And then, of course, he's taken aback when he realizes that God wants him to marry Angel. And he continues to persist in that journey because he believes that it's a calling from God. And I just really admire that tenacity. And I admire the fact that when he brings her home, even after they're married, He doesn't immediately want to consummate the marriage because he wants to make sure that it means something to her before they do so. And he just spends his time loving her. Um, He he, he takes care of her wounds. He feeds her. He gives her shelter and safety. And she gets better. And as I said, she has this idea that she's going to pay him back and then leave. And the first time that she leaves, there's a particularly powerful scene because he goes after her, and I believe in the book, he actually slings her over his horse and brings her back. In the movie, he gives her a choice. He says you can go 19 miles further and go to paradise and go back where you were, or you can go one mile back home. And she decides to come one mile back home. And then he washes her feet. And to me, that was a very powerful thing. I, I want to be that kind of man. I strive every day to be the kind of man that loves the unlovable. That has unconditional love for the people around me. If there's anything I want to be remembered for, it's for the fact that God was with me and that I loved people with an unconditional love because that's the love that Jesus has for us. And so I want to share that with others. And so I just really like that. And it's just really interesting to see the journey because you see her start to drop her walls and then little things happen for her to put those walls back up. One of them being that Michael's brother, Paul, comes back from exploring, let's just say, and sees Angel there, and he knows Angel, um, because apparently he has spent some time in the brothels as a way of dealing with the death of his wife. And so he says, I'm going to tell him who you are, and he's going to hate you because of it not knowing that Michael knows full well who she is, and he loves her anyway, and so, Paul actually plays an integral part in her deciding to leave again, and then, of course, Michael rescues her yet again, so the positive is just that he's the type of guy that I want to be, he didn't Expect anything uh, in return. He just wanted to love her, and he said, "I want to give you a future." Um, that was another powerful scene, and actually, there are a lot of powerful scenes in this movie. But he said, "I want to give you a future," and he said, "You can't change what's in your past, but you have a you have a choice to decide what kind of life you want to live." Now, of course, the interesting thing here is that she has to eventually make a decision to follow Christ. And that is kind of at the climax of the movie. So, the negatives. We've talked a little bit about the negatives leading in because of some of the scenes that I referenced. And as I said, um, I, I think like at least three of them could be edited out and you would still have a solid movie. One of the interesting things is... Uh, One review, I think it was in the World Magazine, said the film could be 20 minutes shorter if it cut uh, those scenes out. And yes, it could have been. But my brother and I also talked about the fact that it's based on a book that takes 16 hours to read. So there's definitely some stuff that they could have put in if they had taken that stuff out. The other thing that kind of takes you aback is is some of the language in the film. And again, it, it, it's kind of interesting because it does lend a certain level of realism to the story. And so I think that's what they were going for. Um, and so when you have a, an evil person, you want to believe they're evil and you want to hate that character. That's the motivation that they were going for in writing these characters the way they were because they want you to be disgusted, because the subject matter is disgusting and unacceptable. And I think Francine Rivers' thought process in writing this book and the movie, because she did write the screenplay, is to expose people in a tactful way to the issue of sex trafficking and say this is not an acceptable thing, and it happened in the 1800s, and it's still happening today, and we need to be aware of it but definitely um I think they could have curtailed some of the language and the content and still had it be a powerful movie the next thing I want to talk about is the lessons that I took away from the film uh the first is like I said the unconditional love of Michael Hosea is the kind of love that I want to have for others um you know, I've desired a wife for a long time. And one of my greatest reasons for desiring a wife is to model marriage uh, as a relationship between Christ and his church. And also to just provide a place of shelter for the woman that God has for me, for her to know that she is well cared for and protected. And that's not a popular thing in modern culture I was talking to my mom about how he ardently pursues her because he cares about her and he wants to make sure that she's safe and he wants to keep giving to her even though she can't give back very similar to the way God pursues us but if you were to take that story and transpose it into modern day people would probably call him a stalker because we don't even know how to differentiate in our modern culture and especially in our worldly culture between stalking and genuine care and concern and so that is one observation that I would make the other lesson is just seeing the metamorphosis of Angel and for her to realize that the decisions that other people made on her behalf had no bearing on the type of person that she was She was a valuable person because God created her and God had a plan for her. In the beginning of the film, you see that her mom was a Catholic and that she had what seemed to be a really close relationship with God. But when God took her mom, there was nothing in angel that believed that God was real or at least that he cared. And so there is a real physical thing that happens that's quite symbolic later in the film because she takes the cross that her mom wore around her neck and throws it into the ocean. Um, and, you know, it doesn't want anything to do with God or religion, and that leads her, um, in many ways, down the road that she goes down for those many years before she meets Michael. And then when she comes to faith in the Lord obviously she's not going to actually dive in the ocean and go find that cross but you see her imagining what it would be like to dive into the ocean and to grasp the cross and you see the difference that the cross makes in her life because she becomes bold and she's able to expose the man that's forcing her back into prostitution for who he is. Not only is he the leader of these harlots, but he also has a penchant for little little girls, minors, um, who even people that frequent the brothel say that's not acceptable. And later in the film, this man gets hung for his heinous deeds. And then in the climax, she offers God's hope to others by starting the house of Magdala, which is named after Mary Magdalene. Probably the uh, most important lesson is that God's love never ends, and that's shown in a final scene where Paul comes back to talk to Angel about Michael and says... You may have thought that you were doing Michael a service by allowing him the opportunity to marry someone else, but he's been waiting for you for three years. And so she realizes that he really does love her, and she goes back one final time, and they start a new life together. And in the epilogue of the book, it says they were married for over 60 years and had four children. And it's really interesting because there's another issue of dealing with the Survivors Guild of Abortion. So there's actually a lot in this film and a lot uh, worth discussing if you and your family do indeed watch the film. And so I would just really encourage you to think about watching this film. I would say that it's not one that I necessarily want to have in my permanent collection. Uh, But as I said, Francine Rivers' book was extremely powerful, and I feel like the movie does a good service to the book, which is more than I can say for a lot of book-to-movie adaptations. So I'd encourage you to check it out with discretion. Again, if you choose not to, I respect that very much, and I'm not going to look down on you or hold it against you But I really do believe that it can be beneficial to people who are out there and need some encouragement and need to realize the unconditional love of Jesus. Because the reality is that we've all done things that we regret and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. So the only way for us to come to God is to realize that we're not worthy, but also that he makes us worthy by the blood of the cross. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, I press on toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Sometimes you have to leave behind what you are born into to become what God made you to be. And to reinforce that again, just think about what Jesus said. He said that if you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself. He said that we need to die to ourselves. We need to become living sacrifices for the Lord Jesus. And so I just hope this encourages you, and I hope that you will consider having your older children, probably 15 and older, watch this film, uh, a little bit younger if they're mature, and also be ready to have discussions because there's a lot of important, serious issues contained in this film. I think one of the, the issues at play here is that uh, people aren't used to Christians producing gritty movies. Uh, we usually produce feel-good, comedic-type movies in the Christian movie sphere, so when we take on something serious like the issues related to prostitution and sex trafficking, it can be a bit of a wake-up call And so I hope that this will be beneficial to the ones who uh, God has meant it to minister to. And I came out of the theater full of hope because it encouraged me to continue to strive to be the man of integrity that God has called me to be and to be a champion of women and a lover of children, and a lover of the Word of God. For the reasons discussed throughout this review, my overall rating of Redeeming Love is 4 out of 5 stars. So I hope this encourages you today. I hope that if you have been benefited by this podcast episode that you will share it with your family and friends. That's about all I have for this week, but I just want to encourage you, to keep serving the best of masters.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at Facebook.com SpeakingForHim and on Twitter at SpeakingForHim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.